Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Quick question before we kick it off today. I wanted to ask you, what's your passion? What is it that's driving you? What is it that's behind what it is that it is that you're doing? On today's show, you're going to hear from one of the most passionate entrepreneurs that I know. Now, Regina Gubanis has been helping business owners, CEOs, and entrepreneurs now for more than 17 years. And she says that it's her life mission to be of service. Now, if this is your first time here at the Go All In Show, welcome. It's great to have you here. And if you're back for more, welcome back. As I say all the time, we love our repeat offenders here at the Go All In podcast. Before we get into the show today, just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down a little bit and hit the subscribe button there as well. And don't forget to ring that bell. That way you always have a little bit of Go All In motivation and some Go All In love right in your pocket. Lastly, if you like what you hear today, please share this episode with your friends and your family because Regina has a really important message to share. And if we can help just one person break through their barriers and get unstuck, then we would have done our job here on the Go All In podcast today. Alrighty, let's get into this. As a life and business strategist with more than 17 years of experience, Regina is on a mission to teach and to inspire each individual entrepreneur and CEO that she works with. And there's no doubt that you're going to leave this podcast feeling a little bit inspired by Regina today. She's a driven and passionate person and her drive and passion comes from wanting to be of service to others. And she says that your success is my victory. And I absolutely love that because it aligns perfectly with the go all in mindset. Regina won't let your decisions and your behavior be guided by fear, insecurities, or doubt. Instead, she'll remind you of the original reasons that you got into business and help guide you through the challenges onto victory. Regina is an absolutely amazing woman who lives every day to the fullest, and she lives by the mantra that life is not a dress rehearsal, it's the main performance. I'm excited she's here, so please help me in welcoming Regina Gilbanis. Regina Gilbanis. Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here as well. All right. Well, we've been connected on social media, on Facebook particularly, for a little while now. And one really interesting thing that I see happening all the time is you in there doing lives, talking about business, how you help business and all that sort of stuff. And when you put content out there like that, it's, it's hard to know if you're actually getting any traction. And I can say from this side of the pond down here in Australia, I'm definitely watching. Um, I'm seeing what you're doing because a lot of what you do is what I do. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting into that today in this podcast. But before we do that, let's get to know you a little bit. Why don't you tell us where you're from? Absolutely. Um, I'm originally from Russia. Um, I have been, however, here in the United States. I'm in California for the last 30 years. So um, without really disclosing my age, I grew up here. Let's say I grew up here. I came here as a child. And um, yeah, my family settled here. And, um, um, you know, we started our new lives here. And I uh, put the roots down here. And I've been uh, uh, a life and business strategist for the last almost 20 years at this point. How did you get into what it is that you do today? What, what, was, the, what was the catalyst that got you into it? You know, I have always known since I was a child that I am meant for a specific purpose. Uh, I, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And I was extremely restless. It's like, you know, you're supposed to do something, but until you figure it out and everything you do doesn't quite fit, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I kept searching. It's kind of like me walking around with a key in my hand, trying different doors to see which one unlocks. That's such a good and analogy. I love that analogy. Yeah. And that, you know, it was exactly that for me. And because I knew it was since I was a child that I was created for a very specific purpose to help people in one, in, in a specific way, I didn't know which way, but I knew it was a very specific way I'm supposed to be of service to people on a very high scale. And I tried different things, you know, uh, just through work and things like that, through communicating with people and nothing seemed right. And when I was, um, 24 years old. I mean, I guess people are starting to calculate. You can tell my age here. Uh, when I was 24 years old, I got a job at a company 
um, just basic bookkeeping, a company that was going through a chapter 11 reorganization. For somebody that doesn't know what, uh, who doesn't know what that is, it's you go through a bankruptcy, but chapter 11, you actually can reorganize. You're not closing. You're asking the court permission to give you some time and space to get back on your feet financially, so to speak. And what I realized the company was at the end of the chapter 11, there was somebody guiding them through the process because it's a very difficult process to restructure a company. And I, and I realized I belong in helping CEOs restore their companies. And I, you know, I went to the owner and the owner was actually helping with the guy who was helping him reorganize. He was helping the other sets of customers. And I said, I want to do what you guys do. I, and I'm 24. I have no education. I've barely made it through high school. They were supposed to hold me back in the last year, but I think they, they just didn't want to have me there anymore. So went to college just to go there because everybody else was going. So I really had no educational formal training. I just knew that I found the thing that God made me for. And that was the fuel for me. I was like a dog with my teeth in its bone. And I kept going back to them for six months. The guy who was uh, reorganizing the company, I was and saying, I want a chance. I, and, and if I suck and if I fail, I'll never bother you again. And I did this for six months, you know, over and over. I think they got exhausted of me and they finally said, we'll give you a customer. And if you can hang in there, you can hang in there. You know, it's uh, whatever happens, happens. And the rest is history. I mean, 17 years later, over well over 100 companies, easily over 70 chapter 11 cases reorganized. I mean, there was a team of professionals as well, attorneys, CPA, and other people. But uh, yeah, that's how I got into it. Awesome. That's a, that's a really awesome story. I love the start of it there where you always had a yearning to do something, but you weren't sure what that was. When I was a little kid, I always had a yearning to run around with a gun and kick in doors. And I used to play up in the local bush with my mates and we'd have, we'd play armies all the time and doing all of that. And you fast forward a couple of years and I was in the, in the military for the better pool, the first part of my career for almost 10 years. So, um, my whole, my whole childhood, I knew that I wanted to be in the military and I just, I went and did it and I kind of got it out of my system, which was really cool. But on the other side of that, I was like, well, what am I going to do with my life now? Right. Cause that's all I ever wanted to do. And I achieved all the things that I wanted to do. And part of the reason, actually I was in the Navy first, part of the reason I left the Navy to go and be in the army was I wanted to be in the army in the first place, but the Navy guy got a hold of me, but I'd, I would have stayed in the Navy, but I went everywhere that they went at the time. I went to the mm. Middle East. I went around Asia. I went all around Australia and Southwest Pacific. There was nowhere else to go. And I was sort of like, well, what else kind of is there? Let me get out. Let me go to the army. And then as soon as I joined the army, I, I went straight on operations and I came back from that. And I was like, well, that was it. Now what? all right, well, I'll just kind of buy my time. And, I, and it took me a long time to kind of redefine myself and to find my feet as an entrepreneur. And I did many different things. And as you say, I, I love that analogy so much that you're walking around with a key in your hand, you put it in the lock and turn it and go, oh, you know, I can kind of do this. This is all right. It's not really a career. It's not really what I wanted to do, but you know, it's all right. And you end up settling and you should never settle, right? Yes, I actually wanted to make, that's a great point. I wanted to speak to that for a second. Um, I strongly believe that we're all created for a purpose. We all have a specific, uh, I call it a blueprint. We all have a blueprint. And I urge everybody really to take the time and find theirs. The reason is it's like you plug into the source, you plug into the outlet, because if you can find that, that will fuel you in the most difficult times on your business journey. That will be the, the, the electricity, that, that fuel and the fire that will keep you going. Otherwise, you know, being entrepreneurial journey is so up and down and complicated. And there's much more down than up. And if you're not really in your pur purpose, walking in what you're meant to do, it can suck. It can drain the life out of you pretty quickly and just kind of get you down when things are not working out. So I think we'll have a purpose. And I urge for everybody to take the time and find it because I'm telling you, it's like fuel to the fire. There's nothing better than that. One really interesting thing that happened to me in, in my journey is it's not so much about um, what I was passionate about. You know, people say, find what you're passionate about and build a business around that and you'll never work a day in your life. And it's like, well, maybe, but I, I never have really been passionate about much except when I was in the military because that's really what I wanted to do since I was a little mm -hmm. kid. 
And then when I went and did that, everything else was kind of like, yeah, it's kind of all right. It's sort of meh. And what I discovered was what you think that you're passionate about actually might not be the thing that's driving you. You might like the idea of that, but in actual fact, you've got to keep, I'm going to keep coming back to that analogy. You've got to keep putting the key in the lock and keep turning the key. And eventually you'll find what it is that you're passionate about. When you discovered what it was that you were going to do, you, you found, Hey, I found my purpose here. This is pretty cool. Was that something that you expected? Or was it just like you really kind of motivated you? You were fired up to help people and do all these things because that seems like a really kind of an odd thing to be passionate about. Um, you know, I it felt like I was home, if that makes sense. Yeah, perfect. And I knew, yes, and I knew that I was at the bottom of the hill, so to speak, and it was going to be a long climb. Keep in mind, I'm 24 no formal education. So the moment I step into any company, now I've worked with companies up to 20 million, so they're not necessarily tiny businesses. Mm. And when, so when I walk into a company where a CEO who is maybe 50, 60 years old, more than twice my age, has five, $10 million worth of debt and he's about to lose his house, he's about to maybe get a divorce. I mean, there's so much stuff that happens with financial devastation. And he's got a 24-year-old telling him what to do. It was hard and people would ask me, what's the background? What's the education? And I would have to say nothing, nothing, nothing. So I had a lot of challenges when I, uh, when I started. And going back to the previous comment, finding your purpose, I want to add that when you find your purpose, these cha- it helps you get through the challenges. Mm. Exactly what I'm talking because I knew I was in the purpose. I knew that it couldn't get me down too long that I would get back up and go to work. But it certainly um, wasn't easy by any stretch. And I had to prove myself for years. Maybe the last few years, I, I really had to, I stopped feeling like I had to prove myself because I was also older. I had years behind me. Mm. It was no longer a 20 or a 30 year old. You know, it was a, well, I'm 41. So, it, it, you know, I had oh, years. Oh, it came out. There it was. <laughs> Stop counting people because I'm saying 17. Then I'm like, oh, yes, here, 41. So, <laughs> Um, maybe we can delete this. I'm just kidding. No, no, so, that's staying in there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was um, it wasn't easy at all, as people can imagine, being that age and doing this this big of a job. But I never doubted that uh, that is my purpose because to think about this: when a customer, when a human being comes to you and says, "Thank you for saving my marriage." Because people think a company is a company. A company is not a company. There's families involved, Family. right? Mm-hmm. There is, my biggest client was 350 employees. So think about it. a company with 350 employees goes out of business. How many people count on that paycheck? Mm-hmm. The men and women that work there, their families, the, it can be two, three, four thousand people easy. So that never escaped me, the responsibility. So I, I always understood the responsibility and the, the scale at which I'm impacting so many people. And that to me was a life worth living. It was always very important for me to have a life worth living. So when I look at it at the end of the day, I don't look back and say to myself, well, I pissed that away. That was the scariest thing for me, to look back and say it was a waste. And um, yeah, that, that kept me, it just kept me going as well, those feelings. Oh. Well, that, that's be- beautifully articulated and beautifully said. As you, as you know, Regina, this podcast is about doing whatever it takes and going all in. So if, if you could, could you share with us your biggest go all in story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Uh, do you want business or personal? Because I think my biggest all in was on a personal side, but... Um... Let's hear it. Yeah, I'll tell you, it was um, uh, filing for a divorce. I know we're going a little bit sideways, but I told you at the beginning, uh, nothing is off the table. Everything is uh, open for discussion and uh, people go through this all the time that it impacts their families. I had a 13-year marriage, two kids, and it wasn't a good marriage while working, helping all these people and all that stuff. And when I say going all in, we had... um, a lot of stuff and properties and all these things. And I just, uh, when I was done, I went home 
put my clothes in a trash bag and walked out with nothing from anything, any properties, nothing. Talk about going all in and starting my life from scratch with my daughters, literally five Almost, minutes later. It's the opposite. You're going all out. I'm out. I'm completely out. I'm done. No, yeah, it can be going. Yeah, talk about, you know, going all out, but also going all in because I knew that I will not succeed in my life and it will not fulfill my purpose entirely if I stay. And I know this is a business podcast, but what I'm talking about, people struggle with this all day long, relationships, and people tend to separate business and personal. But the truth is, it's all the same thing. The way you feel in your marriage, your relationship, you're going to carry that either joy or poison into your company. And whether you like it or not, it will bleed into the bottom line and profitability of your organization. It's a fact. You can't, you can't separate the two because it's one person doing the both things, mm. you know, business and personal. So um, I think that was uh, the biggest going all in. Yeah, for me. Yeah, look, in, in more than 100 episodes in the last sort of 12 months or so of this show, I've had hundreds and hundreds of messages and lots and lots of feedback. And the vast majority of it is related to the topics that we talk about. People tell me they love the stories that we tell on the Goal In podcast. They love uh, the entrepreneurial business side of it. They love the health side of it. They want to know more about finance and how do you go all in on your finance and doing all of those things. And in all of that, I, I looked at all of that in the last couple of seasons of this show and I thought, there's something missing in all of that. There's something missing. And I, and I said to myself, the thing that's missing there is exactly what you said, is more shows about relationships. Because you can't get your finances organized, your business organized, your health organized, unless you've got your home life squared away with your partner, yes. your kids, and you've got to be all in on that every single day. And I often say on this podcast and in this YouTube channel that you can't go all in on your business or your finance or whatever deal you're doing unless you got it squared away at home. And as a result of that, I created a, another subset of this show called Relating As Us. And Relating As Us is with a mate of mine, Ali Maltby. And Ali and I talk about all things relationships and how to get through those things. And it's for the exact reason that you're talking about. You can't break through and do whatever it takes and go all in in your life unless you've got it right at home. How long was it for you? You decided you packed your, you packed your things in a garbage bag. You got out the left there. Did you, did you leave and get in the car and go, Oh my God, and break down. Or did you go, that's it. I'm done. I'm into it. Was it something that was easy for you? Was it like really hard? Uh, it was really hard because I never wanted to become the statistics, uh, the statistic of divorce. Uh, marriage was something very sacred to me and I, I stuck around, I mean, really as long as I could. I think looking back now, I'm surprised. But when I said I do, I really meant that I did, you know, and I wanted to, I hate living with regrets. So for me before, plus I also don't have a personality to go back and forth, whether in personal relationships or business. If I make a decision, it's pretty much final. Because my decisions are always final, um, I take my time making them. Because I'm not wishy-washy, I'm going to do this today, this tomorrow. No, my decisions are very black and white, very solid. Once it's made, it, it's set in stone. So I knew that I have to make, take my time making the decision. But once I did it, I, had, I started my life from absolutely nothing with two kids in my hands. And I ended up being 100% financially responsible uh, and physically responsible for, for our daughters. So it was, I was really standing at the bottom of the hill. But for me, it was a decision, do I spend the rest of my life uh, miserable, which I knew I would be, or do I put myself in a miserable situation for the next year or two, get everything fixed, and move on with my life. So I chose uh, kind of to swallow my pill for two, three years and be done with it. That was my choice. When I, um, when I separated from my wife, my kids were little. Uh, my son was four and my other son was like two and a half, almost three. There's about 18 months between them. And that was really hard. Um, it was really hard being separated from little kids like that. And I would see uh, dads with little, two little boys, the same sort of age like that. And, it would break my heart. And even today I see that. Um, and I look at that and I go, Oh, and I feel, I feel really bad. And it, but it's, it's almost exactly the same circumstance. You know, I was unhappy. Things were not doing, going the way that I wanted to. 
I had a hard time transitioning from the military. There's a whole range of things that kind of didn't make it work. And I figured that if I was going to do it, might as well do it when they're little. So they don't know mm. any different. And I would rather them, the decision that I made right or wrong, it's the decision I made at the time was I'd rather that they were from a broken home than from an unhappy one. And I was really unhappy. So that's where I kind of separated. And for years and years, I felt really bad. And I, I had, I carried around all of this regret and, I felt awful about it. And it wasn't until my kids got a little bit older, like my son Cameron, he's, he's 19, almost 19 now. And Travis is like nearly 17. And I was saying to Travis the other day, man, I, I felt really bad. I was never there for you. And, you know, I, I missed out on so much. And he's like, what are you talking about? You were there like all the time. And, and I was like, oh, I felt so bad. And he's like, what? Uh, it was no big deal to him because he didn't know any... Uh, you didn't know that that was the life that he knew that dad would just come on the weekends and that's kind of how yeah. it was. He would take me to soccer and it would be all, all fine. But for ye for many years, I carried the guilt of it. And even now today, I still carry the guilt of it, but I realized like that the kids, it's not that they don't care. They were just sort of like, well, that's just how it is. And, and that's, yeah. I can't change it. So it wasn't, wasn't that big a deal. How, how old were your children when you did it? Uh, they were three and 10. They were little. They were three and ten. Yeah, they're 15 and 22 now. They were three and 10 when I did that. So yeah. it was a pretty bold move. But like I said, um, you know, I am so extremely aware that this is the only life I have. And this is, I think, what's so important. I want everybody to understand if, the, if you if anybody gets anything from what I'm saying is the fact that this is the only life we have and we really have to live it. I mean, like, really live it, not waste it away, not be stupid with it. Just, I mean, this is it. And I think for when people really grasp the idea how beautiful this thing is that we have, the life, and that it is the only one here on this earth, um, I think we, we approach it differently. And because I am so consciously on a daily basis, moment by moment, uh, aware that this is the only life I have. I try to squeeze every drop of life every, out of it on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. So that this mindset makes it also easier for me to make harder decisions because I ask myself a simple question. At the end of the day, when you're old and gray and, and too tired to do anything, is this going into the bucket of regrets or buckets of, a bucket of wins? I mean, really, it's that simple. And that will make a decision for me that quickly. One of the things that I noticed about um, about you when I was doing some research for this interview, because I, I, I cyber-stalked you, of course. I read all your Facebook posts and seeing what you stand for. And, oh, my God, those political statements that I saw, they were on court. No, there's none of that. I didn't see anything bad. And I'm like, I wonder what people see when they look at my post. All this, like, <laughs> army stuff and war stuff. But there's less of that these days. One of the things that I, I that really kind of struck me um, in looking at your Insta and your face and your website and stuff like that. And the way that you're communicating in your Facebook lives is I feel like you really, really are on point and you know, your purpose, you really know why you're here. You know why you're doing what it is that that's driving. It's a Simon Sinek, you know, start with why. And I feel like I'm, I'm like, this is a woman who is squared away and she knows exactly what she's doing. And the reason she knows that is because she knows why she's doing it. Uh, yes, absolutely. And what plays into that, first of all, thank you so much because I really have dedicated my life to being of service to people. So uh, I never look for acknowledgement, but I will always take them because, you know, it just, it's, it's nice when people acknowledge when you invest your life into other people. So first of all, thank you. But I am sincerely in love with what I do because as I said previously, to watch, to hear somebody tell you, thank you for saving my marriage. Thank you for saving my company. Thank you for, I've, I've had clients who considered suicide because they're so scared and debt and, and divorce and this and that. everybody hates them. And they're, all these people are telling them they're bad because they owe them money. It's a dark and scary place. So to know that you can impact people at that level, it's, yeah, it, it, it clarifies my purpose because when I do it, it feels that, I got to tell you, it just feels like God fuels it. Mm. It feels like that. How do, you help, how do you help other people to navigate and understand their purpose? Because you're going into, a place where, going into a place where people are struggling with their business and their personal life and whatnot. 
maybe they've lost their way a little bit. Maybe they've had a bit of a hard time and that's why they're in that circumstance, in that situation. How do you help them to navigate through those things, through those difficult times? Well, when it comes to business and they're, they're struggling financially, the way to help them navigate is you remind them why they started the business to begin with. You take them back to the place where they were excited about it and you start building from there. I know it sounds very simple, but it works because first you have to, it's not enough just telling people it's going to be okay. You have to remind them because there was this moment in their life when they were so excited about starting their business, nothing could have held them back from it. Nobody, no, no lack of money, no lack of uh, confidence, nothing would have held them back. So you first take them to that place and then walking back to, um, profitability just down a different path what they have been walking but the basics of it is you take them back to the beginning just like when couples are on the verge of divorce a lot of the times therapists will remind them well how did you fall in love what happened take me back there and then they go back there and they come back saying well i think i love you still and the same with the company the ceo kind of wakes up and says I have a good company. I've just made some bad decisions. I remember why I love this. Mm, Yeah, beautifully said, beautifully said. It sounds like something that's really, uh, what you do is really incremental. Today I go in there and I'm going to work on these things and we have a little win. And tomorrow I'm going in to work on that. We win and we just keep building on our success. And and I think that once people find themselves, particularly in business, and I've worked a lot in in this space as well, uh, maybe from a, a slightly different perspective, but from a digital marketing perspective, I'm not sure if you know, but I, I, ha- I had an agency or I have an agency. It's for about the last 12 years or so. And inevitably somebody comes to you and says, Hey Rob, you know, can you help me with my advertising campaigns? Can you help me with my marketing campaigns? And well, okay, let's have a look. And you look at what they're doing and it's an absolute mess. And I was talking to somebody yesterday who had spent, something like 15,000 Australian dollars in the last five or six months and had got zero result. And just listening back through the people that had been consulting to them and where they would positioned them and how it all worked. And it's sort of like, well, I'm coming in here objectively. I'm not here to solve your problems. I'm not here to be a, be a miracle worker. What I am here to do is to tell you the truth. And sometimes the truth is a little bit harsh. Sometimes it's a bit ugly even because people don't want to hear the truth. But if you tell somebody the truth and they're able to then confront that, I'm able to move forward with them from there and highlight to them that, Hey, you know, you've, you've made those mistakes. As you say, you've made those bad decisions. It's time to put that behind you and let's take the first step in a slightly different direction. And that feels really, really empowering to do that with somebody. And, and it feels not to me to do that. It feels really empowering to say to them and to share with them that, hey, there is a solution to this. So first, let me address the comment about um, the truth, telling people the truth. It is very difficult to, um, uh, when people are failing, so I'm talking about about reorganizing companies and even building them. Uh, People are not being profitable because they've made some bad decisions along the way. Because the truth is the company's bottom line is simply a reflection of the decisions that the leader makes. As simple as that. People complicate it all day long, but that's the truth. Somebody makes the decisions, it flows into the bottom line. Uh, you know, it is what it is. So telling people the truth, I think there is, I always say there's always a way to say, to say things to people. When you tell people the hard truth, especially when you're t- talking to them about them, their decisions being bad and not profitable, the most important thing is two things. Number one, if people feel that you genuinely care, even the bad truth, the hard truth, is not going to be that bad of a pill to swallow. They will process it differently because they see that it's coming from a place of care. You're not just pushing them down saying, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. And number two, equally important, you must leave people with dignity. If you're telling people you're doing something wrong, because that is the truth, this is what you've done wrong, you have to leave them with dignity. You have to kind of lay it out in front of them, back it up with the solution. Here's what you, this is what's going on. This is how we're going to fix it because now this is a team effort. Don't leave people there alone. 
and then you kind of you make it uh, you make you, you don't you make it nicer by saying that's fine mistakes happen you did the best you could with the information that you had because that is the truth nobody mm-hmm. ma- nobody makes bad decisions on purpose nobody says I'm gonna go work I'm going to my business today I'm gonna make some bad decisions I'm gonna lose half a million dollars and all is gonna be fine nobody does that right. So when, when these things happen, it's because people did the best they knew how with what they have inside their head. So telling people the truth is very important. You, you wrap it in love as much as you possibly can, if circumstances allow, obviously, and you leave people with dignity and you say, we're going to make this okay so that they no longer are feeling alone because a lot of entrepreneurs, the truth is they're alone. And they feel alone because they can't really talk to friends and family. A lot of them, don't, they don't get it. You can't really talk to your employees because they're employees for a reason. Otherwise, they would have their own companies. So it, those are different conversations. So they're alone. So when I walk alongside an entrepreneur, they finally feel, and for all of you that are actually coaches there, people that you work with, they, they should never feel alone as long as you're there. Very important. Very mm-hmm. important to do that. You know, the, the truth, the truth can be harsh and it can be very confronting sometimes, but in my experience, it's also very liberating. Um, because for the exact reason that you said, and I've found that many, many times in that the entrepreneur business owner or person that's looking to engage with you has made bad decisions. They recognize that you tell them that you highlight that to them and they almost feel a, a sense of relief that, okay, that's done. I can move on with that. This person's not judging me for it we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to stop that. And we're going to move in this direction and step in that direction. It feels really empowering. We had a client, my brother and I had a client in the last probably four months, five months who came to us and he said, Oh, my business is not working. Um, my website's not converting properly in the past. It did really well. And he shared with us some of the history of his business. And we looked at it and said, listen, man, you know, the, the reason, the reason it's not working is he was spending about $1,500 a week on AdWords and he was getting no return. And we just held up a mirror to him. I just held up a mirror to you. I, like, I don't, it's not that I don't care about your business. I'll just be truthful with you and say that if I was looking for your service and, and what he did is, is he had uh, pool fencing is what it was. So it was like glass pool fencing. So I, I look for that and I want the pool in my backyard to have a beautiful fence. And I, mm. I looked at, his website and his images and his website wasn't reflective of me. I couldn't see that in my backyard, in my pool. It's not that there was anything wrong with his work or anything wrong with his um, products or his service. It's just that it didn't allow me as a consumer to see myself in there. And I said, listen, man, you know, like the first thing we've got to do is fix up your website to make your landing page a bit more, sexy so when somebody mm-hmm. gets there they go oh, wow that's what a beautiful pool what beautiful imagery and all of those sorts of things and then we need to fix your adwords campaign anyway fast forward a month or so we fix his landing page looks like a million bucks and we fix his adwords campaign and he's gone from having no inbound leads for about 1500 bucks a week to having 26 inbound leads for 1500 dollars a month nice so, People are seeing the ads. They go and click. Yeah, I like that. They come into the landing page. They go and yeah, that looks really cool. They're filling in the form and they hit the thank you page. That's how we measure the success or failure of something. How many times you hit up against the thank you page, right? And you know how many conversions he had out of 26 inbound leads like that? I'd say 12 to 15. He had zero. He had no conversions. And for for my my brother and I, and especially my brother, who's who's worked so hard on this damn website to make it look like a million bucks, and he's worked so hard on the AdWords campaign to make it, you know, do what it needs to do. The guy was unable to convert it all. And then he's on the phone, really cranky about it all. Oh, you're sending me these leads that don't convert. You're doing all this, you're doing all that. And the truth of the matter is, we've done exactly what you paid us to do. And the truth of the matter is. If your sales process on the back end of that doesn't support the front end of that, yep. we can't take responsibility for that. And, and my brother's a bit more of a diplomat than I am when he's on the phone mm. with these people. I'm just a bit sort of maybe a little bit cynical after years and years of doing it. And I just tell people straight how it is. 
but I'm a, I've got a fairly uh, blunt personality anyway. And by the time <laughs> I get to having a, get to the point of having a conversation like that, there's no need for me to sugarcoat it. And I, and I kind of, I, I said to my brother, just got to tell him straight up, man, that it, if he can't sell, he needs to get help around selling. We can't be responsible for his site not converting. His site converts, his campaigns converts. He can mm -hmm. stay or he can go or he can get more, or he can get less. It's totally up to him. But it was mm -hmm. really interesting to see his reaction in and around that because the truth of it was we did everything you paid us to do and more. So his numbers went from z literally from zero to 26 and in the Google Analytics, it was a 1,300% increase in inbound leads and conversion. Oh, wow. So imagine if you had a 1,000% increase in your business in a month. Imagine what that could do for your business. And you didn't capitalize on it. And we said, listen, man, you know, that's not our fault. It's up to you to capitalize on that. So the truth can be really, really harsh. And we stepped him in the right direction, which felt great for him. But he didn't capitalize on it. And you just don't win every time, right? Yeah, and you, you made a good point. If I can address it, you talked about uh, putting a mirror up to him and, and uh, tweaking the website from a consumer's perspective. And it's, it's a great point that I want to point out to entrepreneurs and CEOs that are going to watch this, that are watching this, is that CEOs and entrepreneurs don't always make the best marketers because you see it from your perspective. You know the product. You know it from inside out. So you... You, you, you're so passionate about it. You think people think that when the consumer sees it, they get it just the same way that the entrepreneur gets it. But that's, that's a lie. That is not true. So, and entrepreneurs and CEOs have a very difficult, um, a, a challenge of seeing it from a consumer's perception. I had somebody call me recently saying, Hey, can you, uh, we're talking about working together and they do custom draperies, very high end. And I said, listen, and he's struggling to sell. Beautiful company, custom made. Uh, this is a massive business if you do it right. And he said, I can't sell it. I said, well, because your customer thinks you're, thinks you're selling them uh, basic blinds. You, you have to educate. But he, so he's telling me they're beautiful, they're this, they're that, but that's not the sales presentation itself because he thinks when people see them, they're saying, wow, I need this for $10,000 on my window. <laughs> No, they, they don't think so. So it, get, get a different perspective. Like you're talking about somebody hired you. I urge everybody, get somebody from the outside. Don't be afraid to spend money. And very important, I think this is the key for entrepreneurs to get, know clearly the difference between an expense and an investment. Mm. It's such a big thing that people don't understand. There is an expense and an investment. When you're investing into people that are going to help you fine-tune the process, that's, not an, that's an investment. You're going to get a return. So invest in people that will give you a consumer perspective. You can't lose with that if you have the right people. You, have the, you, you must have the consumer perspective, which you see entrepreneurs usually lack because they see it from the other side of the fence. Yeah, beautifully said, beautifully said. In all the years that you've been doing this, you are... Uh you've affected a lot of change in a lot of different organizations. And I read, I remember where I read it, it's more than a hundred companies. It's probably more than that since you wrote that on the website. Uh, but is there, is there one, is there one particular one that stands out in your mind that you went, yeah, I did that. I won that. I helped them. And is there something that sticks out like a, a business victory, so to speak? Uh, yeah, there, there really has been so many, but I will tell you the biggest one is where most people were impacted. That's the 350 people employing. That's a big organization. Uh, yeah. Just, just the number of lives that were impacted, uh, families that could uh, keep their jobs and uh, people that were relying on that paychecks, kids that were fed from, from having the business open just from that standpoint, I think that's a massive win that uh, I am. And, you know, honestly, I thank God for every, for every company that uh, I get to help. I, I think it's, I feel I'm being trusted with other people. That's how I see it. So that is by far, I think the biggest, um, just the biggest thing for me. So many people. And do you, do you still engage with those people after you've solved all their problems? You've done the restructure. Do you still communicate with them? Are they still clients or not really? You don't need to. 
you know, a lot of people stay, a lot of people go. Uh, I've changed now more my direction from helping reorganize to helping people grow because I've changed the, 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 I shifted in the last six months of more scaling businesses versus reorganizing because I've seen how much, uh, how much damage and devastation financial chaos causes. Mm. And I know, I know everything you should not do. And knowing what not to do can be even more important than knowing what to do, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So I'm just re redirecting my focus. So a lot of the customers have come and gone, but uh, some clients have stayed for 10 years. And the reason is it's not just reorganizing. As long as the company is open, there are things to do and decisions to be made every single day. You know, business is extremely organic. Business happens 24 seven. Uh, you can't buy, uh, there is a lot of wonderful digital courses and a lot of wonderful uh, events, but that's a one-time thing. A digital course cannot teach you every single thing, every single circumstance, every single situation. It gives you wonderful tools and information, but it doesn't teach you how to deal with everything that's going to happen every single day because business is 24-7. It really is 24-7. So, a lot of people stay even after you've helped them because things happen every day. Decisions need to be made every day. They need somebody to balance it off and they understand the investment of having me is much more beneficial and much more profitable than trying to figure it out themselves. And by the way, a lot of the times when you leave people alone, they go back to their basic decision making. <laughs> They'll go back to the same problems. Don't do that. I'm interested to know, can you share with the audience, you said it's really important to know what not to do. What are the top one or two things like that you see, whatever you do, don't, don't damn do that. I will tell you what it is. Um, the statistics show that most companies unfortunately fail, right? By year 10, I think only what, 6% remain open, something like that. This is not something I made up. This has been here for, for ages. Everybody can go online and then check out the statistics. And even the, the, the small percentage that remains open, it doesn't mean that they're profitable. They just haven't shut the doors yet. Mm. The two over a hundred companies, I can tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt, there is only two reasons companies fail. Number one, lack of information on the part of the CEO. What do I mean by that? As the company grows, I don't care how many seminars and masterminds the CEO goes to, at <laughs> some point the company will, the company's needs will outgrow the knowledge base of the CEO. So the CEO is here, the company's needs are here, and this thing in between becomes a negative. Mm. You start to, because you make bad decisions because you don't know what, what this is. You, something has to fill the gap. The gap is the negative because you're starting to bleed money because the decisions are just not profitable anymore because you don't know. Number one, know where your information smart stops and be smart enough to know that you're not smart enough to know everything. Put the arrogance aside and do not do it yourself. It is extremely expensive, extremely expensive. Because you can't learn everything. You can't consume all of the information, all of the yeah. tips and tricks. Invest in the right people. And number two goes along with number one is lack of infrastructure. Again, do not do everything yourself. Line up yourself with people that support your mission and your vision. It's a must. Having wrong people alongside you, you might as well not have a company. Have less people, but have qualified right people. And more importantly, people that support your mission and your vision. And there, you know, there's a few other line items. If you have a company that has, uh, uh, if you have employees and things like that, uh, know your numbers. A lot of CEOs and entrepreneurs, they, they don't look at financial statements. I know it sounds pretty simple, but do not put that off. People look at their financial statements sometimes once in six months or when it's time for taxes, it's, it's awful. Do not put these things aside. If you're responsible, you're responsible for the bottom line. How can you be, how can you be responsible for the bottom line? You never look at. Yeah. So do not put this off on other people. Also what, what a lot of CEOs do, they hire accounting departments. They let the bookkeepers, um, 
navigate the daily operations and daily cash management. Don't do that because these are still employees. It's a different mindset. It's a different sense of responsibility. It's a different, it's a different authority. And the employees will never really know entirely what the company needs because only you have the big picture. Yeah. Everybody else has just a piece of the puzzle, but you hold the box of the puzzle, if that makes sense. So do not allow everybody to make decisions for the company. I mean, there is, the list can be mile long. There's so much not to do, but pay attention and completely uh, embrace the fact that you are responsible for everything that's in your company. Bottom line, you're the responsible one. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's such that, that information is absolute gold, particularly the, the gap, the gap between where you are to where you need to be. If you don't know, you, you know, it's that thing in personal development. If you want something that you don't have, you've got to become a different person. You've got to mm-hmm. become the person that's actually going to get there to be able to do that. But it's also difficult to know what that actually is. And, and that gap is, is difficult to recognize. I know that I, I, I seek the counsel of uh, my close friends that are in business around me. And I share that with them, even though they're not in the same business as me, they still have a, a good idea of what it is that I do. And I like to share that with them often because it's a completely independent view of where I am. And every now mm-hmm. and then I get a perspective that I otherwise wouldn't have seen. Um, one of my friends, Michael, a really good mate of mine, um, he's a, uh, he's, he's Chinese heritage, but he's an Aussie. He's a first generation Aussie. Um, his parents are Chinese immigrants to Australia and the Chinese culture around business is completely different to the Western culture around business. And when you go into his physical shop, so he has two shop fronts and he has an online business. So effectively he has two businesses as the online and the, the offline version of it. And when you hear him talk about that and he's, his mum ran that business for a long time before he took it over. But just the, just the little idiosyncrasies and the differences that he talks about. And then when he says to me, Hey Rob, how's your business going? And I go, oh, well, I'll talk about that. And I tell him what's been happening through the week. And he says, Hey, have you thought about it like this? Have you thought about that? And I'm like, no, I haven't. No. And often it's a cultural thing. Often, you know, he, he says to me, well, what are you doing with the business, Rob? You know, are, are you building the thing to sell it or, or what are you doing? And I'm like, yes, I'm going to go as fast as I can for two years and I'm going to sell it for $20 million. And, and he goes, he's like, calm. He's like, then what? <laughs> and I'm like, a thousand miles an hour. That's how I am, right? And he, he said, Rob, why don't, you, why don't you take the Chinese philosophy and build a centurion company? Build a company that lasts a hundred years. Imagine if you build a company that lasted a hundred years. And I thought, I've never thought of that. I've mm-hmm. never. And he, and he said, don't build a company that you're proud of. Don't build one that your family's proud of. Don't build one that Instagram is proud of. Build a company that your country is proud of. You know, he's going for my patriotism and, and the yeah. deep patri- you know, you can see in the studio, there's a flag behind me, you know, build a company that your country is proud of. And he's, he was citing all of these Chinese business owners, you know, the Jack Ma's of the world and all of these people. And he said, in China, the, the population worships these people, not because they're so successful in business, but because of what they do in business and how they mm-hmm. affect change and they affect so many people. And his thinking around that and just sharing a little bit of my day-to-day with him just over a beer down the pub on a Friday sort of thing really opened up my thinking recently. And then every now and then it's somebody else will do the same thing and give me a different cultural view or a different mm-hmm. version of it like that. So it's so unbelievably important to share that information with you, with your trusted colleagues. Absolutely. And you know, people will always give us a different perspective because you're just one person. I don't care how smart you are. You're still <laughs> one person. And uh, sometimes people will give us a different perspective and we'll look at it and say, wow, just like you're saying, I've never seen it that way or never thought about it. It may be complicated, it may be simple, it may be really profitable. But, you know, th- this is, again, going back to the discussion we had is that I, I urge all, everybody who has a business, have people that, that help you because that perspective itself has so much money in it, has mm-hmm. so much profitability, has so much life in it uh it's i think it's important like i said 
no, like for me, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough to know everything. So I will seek advice of other people. And I will, even in personal lives, I'll tell my friends, let me balance something off of you. Tell, mm-hmm. Say it back to me. How does it sound back when I hear? So, and do the same in business. It is extremely profitable to bounce off your ideas, even if they're not necessarily money makers, but allow people to give you a different perspective. You will, we, we find out so much when people say our own stuff back to us. Because mm. you don't know what you're saying when you put it out there. No one's holding the mirror up to yourself sometimes. Yes. It's really yes, absolutely. To do that. Well, Regina, thank you so much for coming on the Go All In podcast. I really appreciate you sharing um, your business knowledge and your personal story there as well. So we've got, a, we've got the both aspects of you. There's no such thing as work-life balance. There's just damn life. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. So thank you so much for coming on and doing that. Before I let you go, I can't let you go. I can't let you leave the Go All In podcast without putting you in the podcaster's hot seat. You ready? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Well, I'm here, so let's do it. It's pretty gentle. It's a bit random. It's not really related to what we're talking about. You live in the US. You get to travel around there. I don't live there. I always like to ask my guests, what's your favorite holiday destination to go to? I'll be honest with you. For the holidays, we stay home because I have an amazing group of friends. We've all been friends for 30 years. It's a lot of us. Um, and we celebrate holidays together with our kids and we're just preparing for Thanksgiving. It's going to be close to 40 people, kids running around. So I wish I could say I go somewhere, but for the holidays, if I'm with my friends and my daughters, I'm good. It's beautifully said, you know, I live right on the beach here in Cronulla in Sydney and it's very hard for me to unpick myself from here. Like where am I going to go to another beach? To a tropical island that's like, yeah. like 100 meters out the front that's there sort of thing so that's why i ask that question and every now and then people say stuff i'm like yeah i never thought of that that's really really cool. uh, awesome all right next one what's a what's a skill that you haven't mastered yet that you're working on i am always trying to master patience <laughs> to me it's a breathe, skill baby breathe <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's, it's, it's a skill that it's a gift that God, you know, skipped me on and, and you know, he was putting me together. So um, I'm mastering patience because I want everything yesterday and it doesn't always happen like that. Uh, so, yeah, I've had to learn patience and it was a big one for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, the reality is that the world just doesn't move as fast as an entrepreneur wants to. So hurry the hell up, will you? <laughs> yeah exactly that's yes yes i just i i think that i've just stopped saying it i used to actually say it i just stopped saying it and now i just think it. now i just keep it in my head all good i know the feeling well all right last uh last question for the podcasters hot seat what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received to stay the course from my mentor that i was with for many many years when i felt restless when i was younger and i would feel restless as if things are not moving fast enough, again, impatience, uh, when things are not moving fast enough, he was always able to tell me, again, going back to having a different perspective, show me the different uh, way. I would tell him, uh, this path is too slow. I'm, nothing is getting done. Nothing is happening. He would offer me a different perspective, a whole laundry list of things that were happening. And he would tell me, stay the course. Do not get off the path. Because... He would remind me, you are walking in your purpose. The only thing that's going to happen if you get off the path is that you're going to derail yourself because at some point, you're going to have to get back onto your purpose. You, you would have just wasted time getting off of it because you're impatient, because you're irritated, because of whatever. And he would always tell me, stay the course, stay the course, stay the course. And you know what? I now teach my clients that because that is the biggest business advice. In fact, I have somebody I'm working with now, just on a side note, because maybe it'll help other people as they're watching. I was talking to a client and she's not feeling things are moving fast enough. And I said, look, you got to stay the course because we're in planting season. She's not seeing the harvest. Mm. I said, we're in planting season. We just prepared the soil. We just planted the seeds Mm. and you got to give it a few minutes because people just want to say, it doesn't work. I'm going to scrap it. I'm going to go do something else. But if you've just planted, don't scrap it. 
let it let it grow let it do let let nature let the universe do what it's supposed to do give it time so stay the course you know and i said we're we're in harvest season we're in planting season we prepare the soil we planted the seeds give it five minutes you will see the harvest but if you walk away from it just like it's gonna it's gonna dry up and nothing's gonna be there if you kill it if you walk away from it i said so now we gotta baby everything we've done cuddle it nurture it and then we'll see the rewards. To stay the course was the biggest uh, business advice for me personally. I love it. I love it. I love it so much because it aligns perfectly to the go all in mindset. When somebody is committing and they're, I'm going to go all in on that. As soon as they do that and they start, it gets a little bit hard. They go, oh, I don't want to go all in on that anymore. No, no. Yeah. Hold, stay the course. Hold, stay with stay it. And it'll come good for you like that as well. Regina, thank you again for sharing that a little bit of fun there to close it out. If people want to connect with you and learn more about what it is that you do, what's the best way that they can do that? Uh, my uh, Facebook account, people find me a lot through Facebook, through the personal, just Regina Gulbinas or my website, reginagulbinas.com. Awesome. Excellent. And you got a little gift in there. It's called fail proof your business in any industry. And I love the idea of that. I love the title for that. And you guys and girls listening and watching, you can just, if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll down the links right there. And if you're listening on your phone, just have a look at the show notes uh, and the link will be right there. It's just goallin.com.au forward slash Regina. And that's R-E-G-I-N-A. But you're not going to have to go poking around because all the links uh, to that little gift are right there. And the links to Regina's website and her socials are going to be right there in the show notes. So make sure you connect with her and check that out. Regina, thank you again for coming on the Goal In podcast. This has been a super fun hour. I've been looking forward to this for some time because I've been following you for some time online and I really appreciate you coming on. Before I let you go, have you got a, a parting shot, a parting comment for our audience? Yes. Um, and this is also how I live my life. And I, I hope everybody embraces what I'm about to say is that life is not a dress rehearsal. This is the main performance. What do I mean by that? At the end of the day, you're either going to walk off the stage and get a standing ovation, and you're going to look back and say, man, I've kicked ass. Like, I have squeezed every drop out of this life. I have delivered. I've cried. I've loved. I've, I've laughed. I've raised kids. I, I've made killer deals. I've made amazing friends. Or you're going to look back and know you've never gotten the stage of life to begin with. There is zero possibility that there is a third option out there mm. you either did it or you didn't so life is not a dress rehearsal this is the main performance and just get on the stage of life you know make mistakes fail uh, make bad decisions whatever but get on the stage of life just i'm so passionate about it so passionate that people just uh, just live it just live it. Beautiful. Thanks again for coming on. And we look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Regina, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to her website and her socials are right there. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and the details are right there in the show notes. So you're not going to have to go poking around in Google looking at how you can connect with her. If you've got a message or some feedback for the show, you can reach out via the Go All In socials or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goallin.com.au to find out more. Well, that just about wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. Tonight I'll reach out and touch the sky In the city of angels Feels like I'm coming home With my head up Searching for something And I'm still hoping Cause I Wanna be in, not out Wanna make this all count uh, Yes I, I Wanna go crazy now Gonna make this all count Feeling like a rock star Cause tonight I'm getting out of line And it's alright Feeling like a, a, a Feeling like a, a, a Just as cool as John Wayne Stop.